Ladies and gentlemen, this is your pilot speaking. Uh, I'd like to remind you, please keep your seatbelt securely fastened, sit back, and shut the hell up. So hey, welcome back to the Phantom Radio Podcast. It's Ren, and I'm sitting here with Leah. And Leah and I go way, way back. We were in radio together for a long time, uh, many years ago, when we first started. And we've kept in touch ever since, and uh, we've got so many stories from back in the radio days. We're sitting here at Corner Pub, which is uh, our spot. Our staple. That's right. Been coming here for, man, seven years now. <laughs> Mainly for Panthers games, you know, if we're not at a game. And Duke. And Duke games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Leah, my Duke buddy. You and I have stayed connected for, for so many years. You know, you, you work with people, you meet people, and sometimes you do go in different directions. Sometimes you still keep in touch. Uh, but yeah, you and I have stayed close for a long, long time. Yeah. Long, long We've got time. some secrets on each other. We yeah, know where we the do. Are we buried. do have secrets on each other. <laughs> that is for sure. No, those stories are always safe. Now, so we originally met at Surf 107 in Wilmington a long, long time ago. Wilmington's and modern rock. That's right. The station's no longer there, as most of them are these days. But having fun and, and being that that friend to the the listeners, and you know, going out and, and covering concerts and all that stuff. We kind of continued that when we were at Surf. And we had a real, real big family atmosphere there. All of us got along from the sales department to... Which is shocking. Which is shocking, yeah. which is rare. Yeah. But we all, we were all a big, big family. Mm-hmm. And it made it a fun working experience. When I tell radio stories, the majority of them come from those days because it was, it was so much fun. And I'm sure you start that. with me getting kicked out backstage at Pearl Jam. Is <laughs> that, that where is you start? One, <laughs> that is one story. I don't tell many people that because that's a story that you get to tell. People, okay. Because that was okay. your experience. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> You're a huge Pearl Jam fan. Absolutely. 16, You're 17 shows. Probably the biggest Pearl Jam fan that I know. You know, I think that, but when I go to their shows, I continuously meet people that have been to 100, 150 yeah. shows, you right. know, so I don't feel like I can, no, even still. though that I am in my own little, you know, fan world, right. there are some really big fans out there. Yeah, but still, I mean, you, being in radio, you have a little more of an advantage than they do because you're able to, to kind of live that experience as a Pearl Jam fan a little bit more having access to new music coming out or having mm-hmm. access to free concert tickets to some events or meet and greets and things like that. So, But you've traveled all across the country. Mm-hmm. Going Seattle to recently. Shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was probably the... Probably the best one for me, just seeing where it all began yeah. and knowing that that's where Chris Cornell, Lane Staley, like they all, like that was their hub. Yeah. That was unreal. I really wanted to do the uh, grunge tour out there, yeah. but it was sold out. We weren't able to do that, but we were able to go to the Mopop exhibit. Yeah. And that was really cool to see Pearl Jam exhibit. They had a Nirvana and Jimi Hendrix oh, exhibit wow. as well, yeah. and that was really cool. It's a thunderstorm coming through. That's okay, though. Uh, We're going to sit right here, um, drink our beers, and be okay. So what did they do at the, the Seattle show? That I know it's you know kind of a homecoming for them. What did they do that was a little extra special than they may do it in other cities? You know, I think it was just them being back there, yeah. and it was at Safeco, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And I don't remember the last time that they played in Seattle. It had been a while. 
but they did two home shows yeah and they also did a day of service that they basically encouraged all of their fans mm -hmm. to look at local charities and nonprofits and figure out a way to give back while you're there in Seattle. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was really cool. So we went to Compass Housing Alliance, mm -hmm. yeah. my best friend and I, and we, it was a homeless shelter for men. Yeah. And we cleaned stairwells. Oh, wow. Um, we kind of did like cleaning for them, but mm -hmm. the, I just love the fact that they integrated that with like their homecoming yeah they encourage their fans to really give back and to see what seattle meant to them and see it from a different perspective ah, that's I amazing that. i love how uh, a band like pearl jam bands come and go flash in the pan one hit wonder even some that you know put out two or three albums that are really really strong really popular can still kind of fade away but pearl jam has been around for i mean it's been 25 30 years now yeah we've seen some one hit wonders yeah toadies <laughs> the toadies oh my god <laughs> Space Hog. Do you remember when Creed came to the Surf 107 studios? I don't think I was there, but I really that, would have liked to have met Scott Stapp. Was it, was, he... uh, it was in the first union building downtown before they built the new studios yeah. way back then. And uh, record label reps would come by if there was a show in town or if they were, you know, trying to get us to, to play new music from new bands and things like that. So they brought a band in one day to do a little acoustic thing in the main lobby of that, uh, of the radio station offices. And I'm sitting there listening to him thinking, man, this band is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> this band is never going to amount to anything. It's just one of those things. I wasn't a fan. I didn't really get what they were doing. They may have been nervous. They may have been some because they were brand new. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, they've sold 10 million albums plus, reached diamond status and, and a household name. They were Nickelback before Nickelback. <laughs> they were. They were. And it's funny. You see, you'll have a band that comes out and, and breaks and does really, really well. And then all of a sudden record labels will scramble to sign as many bands as they can that sound kind of like that and mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you have Nickelback coming out that have that same similar sound mm -hmm. and some do well and some don't Nickelback's done pretty good for themselves but they there's have. a lot that have, uh, have come and that's gone. probably I'm gonna say I'm, I'm embarrassed to say but every time I've seen them live they're amazing they live. are they really are I can't are. I can't argue with that and they're great guys too I've yeah. hung up with them several times, and they're always, you know, just real down-to-earth people. And I, think I love their fans. I think here's the funny thing. But... The last two times I've saw them, mm -hmm. they toured with Puddle of Mud yeah. and uh, Fuel. Mm -hmm. So each time, like, Wes from Puddle of Mud <laughs> was extremely drunk and, like, couldn't perform with the show. <laughs> right. So it makes them look so much better. Yeah, that they uh, true. <laughs> tour with bands true. who come out and look so disheveled and can't get their shush together and they look so much better. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Fuel is the same way with Brett Scallions. He mm -hmm. he likes to drink a lot at the shows. Cheers, yeah. Brett. <laughs> last, time I, last time I saw Nickelback, they had Bush opening up for them and Bush is another band really put on a good show. They're going to be at the Epicenter Festival this weekend, next weekend. But Gavin from Bush is still one of those that is, has lasted. You know, he may not be at the level of uh, Pearl Jam or something like that, but he is still going strong. They've definitely held their, you know, yeah. their own. I Last saw them year. at a LJMB in 19, I'm going to age myself, 1997 or right. 98. Yeah. And we drove from Wilmington and I had an exam and I told my professor I was sick yeah. so I could go see Bush. Yeah. And it was, who sang Can't Fight This Either? Veruca Salt. Veruca Salt. Yeah. It's yeah. Veruca Salt, no doubt, <laughs> that was opening for Bush. So we skipped class so we could go see them at, in Winston-Salem. Was that the tour where they met, maybe? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Mm -hmm. So they were hooking up, uh, you know, on that tour and ended up getting married and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And Gwen Stefani, that was pretty cool. So going back to the Pearl Jam story. 
Now, mm-hmm. I've I've been to a Pearl Jam show with you, but I haven't been I to the one. I don't even remember which one there you go to. I wasn't at the one uh, where you're talking mm-hmm. about here. This one was at Walnut Creek in Raleigh. I uh, went to go see Pearl Jam. I don't even know who was playing with them at the time. I just remember we were walking around before the show. We got in a little bit early, and uh, there's a little glass booth off to the side, and there was a guy sitting in there reading. Walked by him several times. Didn't think anything about it. And we realized later that it was Eddie Vedder. Yes. And there was a little sign that said Eddie Vedder on display or whatever. Yeah. He was sitting in there the whole time and no nobody ever, nobody it. knew no. it. Nobody thought. But yeah, it was really him. I do remember that. That's right. And that was a really good show. I think that was actually the first time I'd ever seen them. But the story we're talking about here, that was in Greensboro? We went to see him in Raleigh. Yeah. That was on a Friday night. And right. they were playing in Greensboro on Sunday. Okay. And Budweiser sponsored a bus mm-hmm. to Greensboro, mm-hmm. which meant free alcohol for a four-hour yeah. bus ride all the <laughs> way up there, which leads you to making great decisions and last-minute impromptu moments in your life. So we drank heavily, and I still had the backstage pass from Friday night, which we didn't get to meet them because right. they'd already left. Yeah. So <laughs> our PD at the time, we get off the bus, and I had a couple of drinks, and uh, I said, I'm going backstage. I'm going to meet Eddie Vedder. Yep. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, yes, I am. So we literally walk around the Greensboro Coliseum, yeah. and there was just a door there, and yeah. we opened it, and there's Stone Gossard and Jeff Amon playing ping pong, and no one's guarding the door. Wow. No one's yeah. standing there. Yeah. So we just kind of flop in, looking all like, you know, crazed because it's like seeing a unicorn, you know, you're like, is this real? And they kind of, you know, chatting with Scarfy. I can't speak. I'm mute at that point because yeah. I'm, you know, got a camera hiding in my pants. And then Eddie walks by and that's when I freak out, my fangirl moment. And I said, Eddie, like, can I come take a picture? And that's when he was married to his first wife, who yeah. was his tour manager, Beth. Right, right. And she came over and she said, ma'am, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> so she kicked us out. Yeah. And we walk out, and you know me. And he thinks I'm ugly. <laughs> but yeah, I think our PD probably got in trouble for that. We probably got a talking to so, yeah, from the record I'm label sure. after that. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I hope yeah, I'm yeah. not the only one. I'm sure there's people out there who've done oh, that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'd like to hear their story so I don't feel as bad. Being in radio, we we get to to meet a lot of uh, a lot of bands, a lot of celebrities, actors, actresses, that kind of thing, and you really don't get starstruck because you know we're all people. We're all equal. You know, we're all. You've it's part of one. our job. You've huh? had a starstruck moment. Have I? When was my starstruck moment? Oh. It was, a, it was, no, it was Chris Cornell. That was your guy moment. Chris Cornell, yes, yes absolutely. That was your guy absolutely. moment. Now, Soundgarden is one of my favorite bands of all time. Grew up with him. Loved that Seattle sound. He can sing. He's got one of the best voices in the history of, uh, of rock and roll. And I had tickets to, to see them six different times. Something always came up. Either I had to work or the show got canceled or I was sick or whatever the case, something always came up. And they came to uh, Carolina Rebellion a handful of years back mm-hmm. and I'm thinking I'm finally going to get to see Soundgarden. And we had a bad thunderstorm roll through and they canceled the show. The they were the headline time. that Sunday. They were the yep. headliner, mm-hmm. yeah. They canceled the show and I'm like, man, it's just, it's the curse. It's the Wren Soundgarden curse. I think it was in 2008, Linkin Park went on, went back out on tour for their Project Revolution tour, and Chris Cornell was on the tour. He was doing his solo stuff. So I finally got a chance to, to see him, and, and Chester Bennington from Linkin Park came out, and the two of them sang Black Hole Sun together. Uh. 
and that was the best thing ever. Finally, get to see this guy sing, and uh, so went backstage and and got a chance to interview him and walk up to him, and I just looked him in the eyes. I was like, man, it is really, really good to finally meet you, and all he did, he just smiled. You know, I could tell that he he felt my respect for him, and he just smiled. It just I could tell it it made him feel good, put him in a in a good mood. So we sat there and did an interview and hung out and talked, and we got to talk about old stories from Soundgarden back in the Seattle days and when they got started, and stories from the road and things like that. And it was just an amazing moment sitting there with Chris Cornell talking about that. Didn't get starstruck from it, but just the moment was mm-hmm. it was an amazing moment to be there just talking to him especially growing up listening to their music stone temple pilots was another one that uh growing up i just i really really loved that band you're actually wearing a stone temple pilot shirt yes. right now which I, I think is awesome i remember seeing them uh the first time i saw them perform live was uh wayfest mm-hmm. and just scott had that magnanimous energy yeah. and just incredible i'm so honored that i got to see them live absolutely that, you know, two of the ones, three of the ones, Rage Against the Machine, yep. Nirvana, and Alice in Chains are three that I wish I could have seen. Yep. Well, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine is going to be at Epicenter Festival this I year. Know. And that is going to be amazing. I was at a, a show in Tampa. It was Nine Inch Nails and Jane's Addiction. Oh. They called it the Ninja Tour, which I thought I was pretty that. creative. Mm-hmm. The first band came on. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check out this band and see. I'd never heard of them, don't know who they are or anything like that. And when I'm, I'm down in the pit, I hear this guitar riff and it just hits me I just freeze and I look up and Tom Morello is standing in front of me you can't mistake his sound he's got such a unique sound he is just going off on the guitar and that was that was a pretty cool moment too but I look forward to seeing him next weekend so you got it's to go it's not Prophet of Rage it's just Tom Morello right just Tom Morello yeah but he does do some some rage stuff mm-hmm. he'll do a little guitar solo or something like that oh. and you know just a, it, it's amazing so you gotta go <sighs> you gotta go i know right go. all right it's time for a beer break so we're gonna grab a beer real quick and we'll be right back hungover from another bar crawl what the fuck happened last night <sighs> it's okay we are too hey bro you mind putting on some pants phantom radio the bar crawl of charlotte radio am i missing a tooth Well, thank you for the beer. You're welcome. I-, I wanted to buy you one. You didn't have to. I did. No. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you. There's a lot of people out today. Like, it really is. All right, so back at Surf 107, there was uh, we used to go to a lot of concerts, and there was a guy, I've been trying to remember his name, and I hate that I can't remember his name right now. Donnie? Donnie. The oh, limo my driver? God, Donnie. You read my mind. <laughs> Donnie was a limo driver. And uh, we developed a really good relationship with him, and we would give him concert tickets. Uh, I would use the word limo driver loosely. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie owned a limo. Let's just say that. Yeah. And uh, he For would. For his own uh, personal benefit. Yeah. He would uh, drive us to the concerts up in Raleigh or wherever we needed to House go. Of House of Blues and Myrtle Beach. And so we would give him tickets and, uh, and hang out. And uh, Donnie was really cool, man. That was a cool arrangement that we had with him because we knew that whatever concert we were going to go to didn't have to drive we could uh. ride up there in a limo you know ride in style and donnie always took real good care of us so he really did yeah. he did Such a i good, would love to know dude. where he's at i know i know we should start a campaign where's I donnie know. where's donnie <laughs> donnie was awesome he really was uh. man at surf 107 i came on i was working at a station called rock 104 with 
Scarfy, who ended up being our program director at Surf. And I came over to Surf first, and we met Sully. Sully had been hired probably a month or two before me. Scarfy ended up coming over uh, not long after that. And then Leah came on. You were an intern at at UNCW. You were hanging out with Brian and Jim, who were the morning show guys. Yes, and then also driving around, uh-huh. picking up drunk radio DJs and taking them home, and so taking Leah. care of GM's girlfriend when she had breast <laughs> implants, and yeah, all that. So what was that like? Uh, so when it came time to take care of the, the boss's girlfriend who just got breast implants, did you, you have to... get the to, intern to do that. That's what you do, right? So that was your internship, was taking care of the boss's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you have to, uh, you know, bathe her or rub ointment on them? I had to unwrap her bandages and put new bandages on her. Oh, wow. And then put peas, like, you know. Yeah. And so, yes. Yeah. I got to see the goods, I guess, before. (laughs) That was your internship. (laughs) And there was, uh, in the old building back when the the two of them, I guess, first started, and this is a story that you and a, a very select few people know about. I'm up there, I think, on a weekend or something, working on a project. I was the only one up there at the time. This was kind of late at night, and I'm leaving one of the production rooms, uh, getting ready to, to leave for the night, and I walk by the boss's office. And the door is open, and I hear something in there. So, of course, out of curiosity, you hear something, and you're in a, a station by yourself. You're going to look very and see old what building. it is. Yes. Very old building. Mm-hmm. So I looked to see what it was, and uh, there they were. She was bent over his desk. <laughs> <laughs> And they were kind of uh, doing their thing. And, you know, that was a long time ago, but that image has not left my my mind. I can see how that is yet. scarred And it has scarred me a little yeah. bit mm-hmm. from then. <laughs> so you ended up on the air. You ended up doing nights as well. Yes. I was from a receptionist to promotions to traffic to on air. It's quite the uh, journey. You were promotions director for quite a while. Mm-hmm. You took really good care of us. Anytime we needed concert tickets or CDs or t-shirts well, or anything to give away. That you were our there. family. You were doing what? Six to midnight? Seven to midnight on the air? Seven to midnight. Seven to midnight. Yes. So Which was the fun time. <laughs> was Janice. Janice was there doing nights. Yep. And there was a time where she was pregnant. Had her baby. Mm-hmm. We always drank a lot of coffee there. That was a staple <laughs> at that radio station was drinking coffee. And I would, uh, there was never any creamer there, but there was there was always some in the refrigerator. It looked like somebody had brought in. And I thought, you know, hey, there's no creamer. I'm going to borrow some of this and, and use it and just replace it, you know. So I would bring in some coffee creamer and, and put it in the fridge. And Janice started freaking out one day because her breast milk had been disappearing. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody knew who was drinking it. So apparently this whole time I'm going in the fridge and getting her breast milk and putting it in my coffee thinking it was creamer. One, it was uh, drinking Janice's breast milk in my coffee. Yeah, I remember her pumping in the studio. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That was talking about being scarred. <laughs> and she didn't care. She would just do it. You know, she'd be sitting there talking to you, pumping. Oh, yeah. And, and you'd be having a conversation with her and, and trying to not think about the fact or acknowledge that she's sitting there doing the breast pump thing right there in front of you. <laughs> You've grown up to be a strong boy, so you can thank Janice Breast Milk. Milk does the body good, as they say. It was good, though. She made some really good milk. Oh, It went really well with coffee. Had a little sweetness to it. Oh, my. (laughs) Whoa. All right, we're under a shelter here. Yeah. So our boss, Paul, I ended up leaving. I just got up and quit. 
it was stubbornness on my part. Being younger, I was a little bit stubborn. He and I would, would fight all the time about the, the lights in the studio. I always like to have the lights a little bit dim to have a little mood in the studio when I'm on the air. I just, I like that. But you that. also earned that right. I did. It created a, a really good environment. And Paul, our boss, told me that if I was number one in the ratings, I could have the lights dimmed at a certain level, however I want at any time. So I was number one in the ratings, did that for a couple of years straight. And so I thought I had earned the right to keep the lights at a, a certain level to create that mood while I'm on the air. But the way our studio was set up in the new building, when people walked into the lobby, there were three windows. There were three radio stations there, so three windows where people in the lobby could look in and see us. Like cages. Yeah, like monkeys in a cage or something Mm -hmm. like that. And Paul wanted people to be able to see us. And when I turned the lights down a little bit, they couldn't really see in there as well. And so he came in one day freaking out again about me turning the lights down. We were both a little bit stubborn. We kind of, I think, pushed each other's buttons on occasion just because. He knew what buttons to push of mine, and I knew what buttons to push of his. <laughs> you certainly his. knew what buttons to push of and his. And he pushed the button that day, tell me to turn the lights back up so people could see me in there, and I quit. <laughs> just like that. Walked out the door, left, done. And how old were you at that point? Uh, early 20s. It just got to a point where I was like, dude, what he didn't know was I had already gone up to New York and applied for a radio station up there and had been offered the job and I was trying to decide whether or not to take it. That moment kind of pushed me to that limit. It's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. And I left. I walked out that day. Well, don't you remember every time he'd go on vacation, so I'm going to quit. That was his thing. Yes. Like, I, now I'm not, you know, I'm not going yes. on vacation. And I remember when I came to Charlotte and interviewed for a position, he was on vacation, so our program director time made me call him and give my notice. Oh, he wow. wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> What was this thing that he would say to everybody when they were messing up? He would threaten to, to fire you. Uh, oh, career decision. Career you're decision. making a career decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you're making a career decision. Well, you know, <laughs> we were the only one in the building at night together because I work 7 to midnight. No one else is in the building. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would oftentimes be in his office by himself with the door shut. And then he came into the studio one night. I was like, I need you to come to my office. That's probably the word you don't want to hear when you're at a radio station with your GM. And then you walk in the office and he's setting up a webcam. (laughs) So to make it even more like this is not going to be good. Um, But, you know, he was uh, setting up his webcam to speak with his new Russian girlfriend. That's right. He did do that. He did the Russian Russian bride thing. Yes. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And she ended up coming to work at the radio station, too. She did. She? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that marriage didn't last very long, did it? No, it did not. No, no, no. no. She got over here and kind of did her thing, and that was that. Was that. <laughs> Do you blame her? <laughs> no. So they got at married all. at a bar in Wilmington. They got married at a bar. Was it I think I signed my uh, tab out while they were getting married because oh, I hadn't wow. signed it out the night before. So while they were getting married, I'm like, I think I need to sign out my tab from the night before. <laughs> Don't know what this place looks like in the light. <laughs> It's starting to rain now. Yeah. I'm hoping this will kind of go away. I know. A little bit. Yeah, we're getting wet. It's pouring out here now. Yeah. Just kind of hoping this would pass by, but no. So we need to end this. Well, Leah, thank you so much for hanging out again. I always love seeing always you. Always love you, man. Got to have our uh, our time. We always, always do. Catch up. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you mm. for keeping the secret hidden for all these years. <laughs> 
Charlotte Radio that rocks. I'm quite aware of the way humans usually reproduce, which is messy, unsanitary, and based on living next to you for three years, involves loud and unnecessary appeals to a deity. Oh, God. Yes, exactly. Radio Charlotte.